The following program is a presentation of Lakeshore Communications Inc. and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Lakeshore Communications Inc., its sponsors or donors. Three, two, one, zero, 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 zero. From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues overlooked headlines and biblical observations equipping the remnant around the globe got your sword handy this is stand up for the truth i'm crash connell today thursday february 22 2024 this morning we are welcoming back jim farrington of first stone ministries and we're excited to have him back got a, a great uh, bunch of things we want to talk about with him catch up with him so uh, my first uh, order of business is always a Bible passage and this morning's scripture is a short one but it's powerful and it's Romans 1 16 to 17 for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Pray with me this morning. Oh, Lord, we come before you today with cares and distractions, our joys and our setbacks, and we give it all to you. We ask that you would continue to refine us, to direct our steps so that we can be single-minded for the kingdom. Oh, Lord, that we might decrease and you might increase in our lives. We lift up those who are hurting or, or sick for a healing touch from you, for those who are seeking, Lord, who have been broken by this world, that you put them uh, perhaps in the path of those who have the hope of the eternal gospel. Lord, that we would all be ready and sensitive to those around us who are perishing and have no hope. We lift up our guest today, Jim. Thank you for his testimony of grace and new life, and we pray for continued open doors for him, for good health, for protection in this uh, difficult time uh, for both him and his loved ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, today my guest is Jim Farrington of First Stone Ministries, firststone.org, and their mission is to lead people to freedom from homosexuality, sexual brokenness, uh, through that relationship with Jesus Christ, reaching out to churches, schools, organizations, and the general public by providing education and discipleship, support, AIDS ministry, uh, such a much-needed ministry in this morally relative abyss that we find ourselves in. First, um, uh, Jim, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Well, thanks for having me. Yes, we're, we're, we, I love having you on from time to time because what a great testimony that is. Again, like I said, such a needed ministry. And the mission statement for First Stone is to minister healing and restoration in all areas of brokenness, uh, leading, leading those caught in a homosexual lifestyle and other areas of sexual brokenness. Um, and it's uh, not a method, but a person, Jesus Christ. And your testimony uh, certainly points directly to that. Uh, could you give us some of your testimony, Jim? I, I know we have new listeners all the time, and and um, I, I'm always um, I just I just love hearing your story. So if you could give us your testimony, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Um, I lived uh, cumulatively about 16 years um, with an intact gay identity, and. Um, um mixed in there was um, some um, truth. Um, I asked Jesus to come into my life in 1983, and um, shortly thereafter um, got married. Um, I had come out of um, 
a homosexual identity. And and when I asked Jesus to come into my life, it was just an assumed thing that it was all over. Um, never, never really cognizant that there might be a moment where I, I actually have to choose to lay my life down mm. for his sake. And, and I wasn't mentored in that way. Um, you know, it's just, you know, you, you obey and you repent and everything's going to be okay. Um, but what unbeknownst to anyone, including myself, was I had a long history of childhood sexual abuse. Um, exposure to pornography um, by my dad, uh, neglect, abandonment um, for um, around the age of six to the age of 14. And when the Lord gave me the ability to look back into my past, I had uncovered over 34 different men and women, mostly men, had poured into me sexually mm-hmm. uh, during those years. And um and having to come to terms with that. But, you know, the Lord in his kindness did did um, what the prodigal son's father did. And Lenny, I went off. I went I went back off. My marriage failed. I had two daughters. Um, she went into lesbianism, and I went back eventually into homosexuality. But it was during that, that time of, of being out and proud and really throwing myself into all of it, I discovered how unhappy I was um, and how unfulfilling it was. And not only that, but degrading, um, morally degrading, um, finding finding myself making decisions and doing things that I, I never dreamt that I was capable of doing. And it really brought me to a place of disillusionment. Like, this this, this isn't bringing me any fulfillment. And I, I had an intact understanding of, of the Word of God about homosexuality and what began to happen was this this yearning to get free. I wanted to break free out of the the yoke of bondage, but didn't know how. And that went on for about a three year period. My coworkers would say, "Jim goes through this about every six months." Mm-hmm. But God, in His kindness, began to bring people into my life that uh, uh, were just the presence and and person of of Jesus, uh, the love of God to me, and that really began to help me. Um, sort of turn in that direction. I already had the conviction that how I was living my life was not congruent with the truth. Mm. Um, but but knowing that God was pursuing me, really, I mean, I remember having that cognitive thought that God, that God is pursuing me, but why? Why would he pursue me? I mean, I've walked away from him. Um, oh. And he, he just brought um, amazing people across my path. And then I had a, a chance encounter with... Um, a woman I, I worked uh, for Red Lobster at the time, and I had this lady who um, I wasn't supposed to be her server, but I ended up being her server. And at some moment, she says, you're going to think I'm crazy, but God's trying to get your attention and wants to talk to you. A father wants to talk to his son. Wow. And that, and I, I, I brought a piece of paper to her and had her write that down, and I have it laminated and I keep it with me. It's, and it says, the, the, Lord, the Lord is calling your name. The Father of all creation is calling your name, and it's a serious matter. And why that's significant is because I was so disconnected from my masculinity, um, my significance as a son. I, didn't, I had a super broken relationship with my father. I wasn't the son that he wanted. Um, and uh, at some point, I, I chose to cut myself off from him. Uh, making an inner vow that I would never trust him again. And that really put me in a place of, uh, you know, as a boy, when you're disconnected from your masculinity, 
you know, here I am with a sort of codependent relationship with my mother. I turned to the feminine. And there was a point where I had been even experimenting with her clothes and her makeup, although I never had a mindset that I wasn't a boy. Um, I was turning to the feminine because I was cutting myself off from the masculine. And so here's here's this God of all creation, this merciful God, calling my name, um, and and that He wants to talk to me a way a father wants to talk to his son, and that those were were pivotal for me um, because I didn't have an identity as a son. I was a son that my father never wanted, and you know, and so even even in that frame of thought. If my dad doesn't want me, why does God want me? If I'm not mm. the son my father wants, mm. why would I be the son that God wants, wow. right? Yeah. Um, all of that played such a huge role in being able to turn to him this this one particular day where I just yielded to him completely, and I said, if it kills me, I'm going to follow you. But in three years of trying to get free on my own strength, in that moment of absolute surrender and yielding and, re- and repentance— I, I'm going to do whatever you say and go wherever you go. And it, and it wasn't, and I need to delineate that it, it wasn't an immediate thing where I went from homosexuality to heterosexuality, but it was a yielding to the Lordship of Jesus over my, my life, and I was going wherever he was leading me. And so I had people that would mock me, you know, what well, does this mean that you like girls now? I'm like, that's not what this is about. Oh, I, I, and I couldn't tell them what it was about. I just knew that that's not what this was about. But then within about a year to year and a half of, of yielding to him in my journey with him and, and, and pouring into the scriptures and allowing him to reveal the truth to me, I uncovered the truth that I had been created heterosexual. And that I only struggle with homosexual sin, and that changed the dynamic completely. Mm-hmm. Because um, when, we come to, when we come to Jesus, we, we really can lay everything down at the foot of the cross mm-hmm. and letting him take ownership of it. Mm-hmm. And receiving from him what we need to be able to be the sons and daughters who he's created us to be, because we're made in his image. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and so that brought me on, you know, that, that brought me into this journey. That's what brought me back to Oklahoma was I, I began to really deal with the ramifications of look at all this abuse and neglect. And, and, um, and during all of that, the Lord brought me to a place of being able to see my father through his perspective for the first time. And that, that bitterness and anger and resentment and unforgiveness toward my dad became compassion and mercy. And I forgave him. And when that happened, then all these little nuances of masculinity that I absolutely resisted began to assert themselves over a period of time. And it was the most bizarre experience for me, but but it was such a an earmark. Oh, my gosh, God is doing something significant. Yeah. And that brought me back to Oklahoma to go through uh, what First Stone was, uh, was doing a program called Living Waters, that's really in depth that deals with abuse, uh, gender identity confusion, um, mother wound and father wound, and, and um, um, just all the different avenues and ways that we as the body of Christ have the capacity to be broken. Mm-hmm. And um, that eventually led to me um, serving as a uh, uh, an assistant leader and then I became a leader, and then I had a particular night that I was helping with the 
First Stone Parent Support Group, and I walked into the building, and the presence of God came on me, and it was like the Lord was saying, this is where I want you to be. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew in that moment that I, my calling was to um, be a part of First Stone in in promoting the message that freedom is not a method or a program, but the person of Jesus Christ. Wow, indeed. I, and, what, go ahead and finish what your thought? No, just that, you know, now here I am, a men's minister, you know, eight eight years later, eight, this is my eighth year with, with First Stone, and I'm very thankful um, for this. I mean, the Lord it gives me a chance of being able to um, help others come to the cross and discover mm-hmm. what Jesus has for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, what really stands out was what you just said, actually, to come to the cross, and and we find healing there, and you certainly did. The entire person, and it doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but the entire person, you know, heart and mind and soul, um, and you were at the end of your rope, just uh, completely disillusioned, and you realized, this is when you realized that that life held nothing for you, that that was empty. Yeah. People people seem to think, if I pursue this, it'll fix me. No, it will break you, and that's what people don't right. understand. And we're going to look at a, a documentary today. We're going to talk about one that broke my heart that I watched yesterday about this very thing, but only God can put us back together again, and I think we all feel that way, um, no matter yeah. what we've been involved in. But I, I like that you mentioned uh, in your testimony that you were at the end of your rope and agreed with God about your sin. And I think the idea of repentance these days, uh, people say, well, that's a work. You don't need to repent. But I think we need to agree with God about who we are and who he is. And that's when I think this incredible process begins because we we're we yeah. working with him by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we don't want right. to uh, minimize the power of, of total repentance uh, and laying all things at the cross. So thank you so much for your testimony uh, and what a great ministry that is, and and uh, we're glad that God led you there. Um, I want to talk about a couple documentaries with you this morning. Two completely different ones. The first one, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, uh, this one I did not know about this, Jim. Uh, it's called Will and Harper, and it uh, yeah. this the sub. Uh, I got an article here from the Guardian. I couldn't find much about it uh, so far. I think it's fairly new, but it, it's been playing at the Sundance Film Festival in search of a distributor. So. Um, the is absolutely giddy about a docu- this documentary that just came out about Will Ferrell and a former SNL became friend came a woman take a role together, and I have no doubt that the the liberal mainstream sees this as a public service. Jim, tell us a bit about uh, yet another thing uh, stuffed in our faces to normalize this gender surrender, right. and you know considering the nature of entertainment these. Uh, that these men represent already, SNL. I have labeled it a train wreck ahead of time, but tell us what you know about this docudrama, comedy, or whatever you want to call it. What's this about? Well, so Will, Will and this man, so because I don't know what this man's original name was, he, go, he goes by Harper, and I don't know if that's his real name or his chosen name. Harper Steele. Um, his name is Harper Steele. But, well, that, but the, we don't know if that's his, oh. his birth-given name gotcha. or his chosen trans name. True. Um, because when you think of it, when you look at that Harper Steele, it almost sounds like Danielle Steele. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, right. So, so one thing that I know about Will Ferrell is that he is a self-avowed atheist. This man makes, makes it part of his repertoire as a comedian to mock God. He mocks religion. Um, and he's been friends with this, this man for, I don't know, well, for 20, 20 to 30 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so this man, you know, unbeknownst to everyone else, 
um, basically comes out to all of his friends as transgender and will will decides that they should they should go on a road trip so that thing is that this is about it's a um, a um, a road trip a 17 day road trip um, where they rediscover their friendship and during all of this will throws out complete common sense to to begin to to see the world through this other man's perspective. In other words, that this other man is now educating him on language, on what to believe, and what to think. And this is what happens when we come alongside any... any Rather than coming alongside someone who is trans with compassion, because they're, they're there for a reason. It, it's not... There, there's, something, there's something off kilter. And... and I think Jesus would have compassion on them, but I don't think he would put up with with any of the nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in this, you know, Will now refers to him as as him, himself as as cisgender, and he refers to the you know the world out there, the world that you and I know as men and women created in the image of God, um, as a cis community, and. And what he does, and it, even when I was, like, in some of the interviews and watching it, there's this complete kowtowing to to his friend's brokenness. So now his bro- his friend's brokenness has dictated how you're going to think, how you're going to feel, how you're going to act, and how you're going to speak. And and you have to throw out everything that you've ever known about about men and women and see it all through this man's lens. And what that what that creates is this this uh, this sort of um, uh, apologetic. I'm so sorry for everything I've been so ignorant mm. of. And and to to you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the emperor's new the emperor's new clothes <laughs> that that children's story mm-hmm. where the emperor is is convinced that this tailor has created a whole line of clothing for this king mm-hmm. that's invisible. Mm. Wow! Yeah. And he parades the king around in <clears throat> completely naked, trying to convince everybody that he's wearing this new outfit that's regal and colorful, and you know. And then what? It's one little boy that says the emperor has no clothes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a really good. Um, that's a good analogy. Um, yeah, you know, and what it reminds me of is um, in, in in Timothy four one through two. It says that um, the Spirit, the Spirit has told us expressly that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons to the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. When we, when we, when we transgress against our own conscience, when we affirm a lie, when we choose to come in agreement with a lie repeatedly over and over and over again, our conscience gets seared. Mm. Yeah. And you've got people that are partnering. I mean, like Will Ferrell is this funny man that everybody like around the holidays. What movie does everyone yeah. talk about? Elf. Yeah. Yes, I haven't seen they it. Love. I haven't seen they it. Love <laughs> Will Ferrell. Yeah. You know. Well, there's certain there's certain lines from it that you know, like um, that everyone thinks is hysterical. You know. Um, uh, but but you know, Will Ferrell is 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 actually quite adored. And loved in the SNL community, and and in the public, and so what I see is that you know you've got this man who's using his his fame and his notoriety to come along and say 
you know, my friend's a woman. Yeah. And there, there was even, and when I read about the documentary, in the documentary, they go to some restaurant in Texas where Will Ferrell dresses up like Sherlock Holmes. And I, and the Netflix has bought the rights to this documentary, and so it's probably going to promote it here sometime soon. Mm. Um, but, but in it, you know, Will kind of, I, I guess, um, embarrasses himself by his behavior. And, and there's probably, there's probably some in your face stuff, yeah. uh, that happens. Um, that people are being, are being told that they're bigots, people being told that they're transphobes. It's ridiculous. Um, to the point that no one is allowed to have an opinion if it doesn't agree with the narrative. Right. And that's just absolutely insane mm-hmm. that we've come to this place in our society where, where we're not even allowed to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. And if, and if we do speak the truth, then, you know, we're responsible for people killing themselves. And this is a, this is a narrative that's been going on for a very long time, but it's mm-hmm. very dangerous. Yeah. And to me, with just the, the fact that, um, what, well, so what, what this also reminded me of was um, just before Jesus really got a hold of me, so probably about 97 or 98, I saw this movie with Russell Crowe, and it was about this this man who was in the closet um, wrestling with wanting to come out to his family, you know, um, but you know, fearing not being accepted or whatever. And in this movie, it highlighted mostly this his grandmother who lived with another woman, and they actually happened to be a lesbian couple. But they were elderly, and at some point they get taken away from their families because they're not able to care for each other. They're not able to take care of themselves, and and so they're 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 separated. And the whole messaging, I just I remember this so vividly. The messaging is that love is love, and that mm-hmm. that wasn't even being promoted back then. But I just remember, I remember almost it was like I was contemplating that that surely loving another person is can't be a sin it can't be wrong mm-hmm. and but that's what that's what the power of of movies and documentaries have have a tendency of doing um i came away from that movie in the fine you know in the end i'm like you know i still know the truth and it doesn't trump the truth yeah. but but remembering how impacting it was just for that fleeting small moment in my life, in my mind, and in my heart where I almost reconsidered that the idea that, that you know, two women could actually love each other, mm-hmm. you know, and that, mm-hmm. that how can that be so wrong under heaven? I mean, it's, it's, it's so um, deceptive. It, it, it's, it's nefarious, really, mm-hmm. because it, it, it takes the truth of who God's created us to be as men and women created in his image and, and let, letting us, you know, rearrange his creation, so to speak, to determine how things are for well, ourselves. Well, and considering the conditioning and grooming that movies have done for so long, um, I think about even when I was a child, you had Milton Berle dressing up like a woman and my dad would turn the channel at that particular moment. And this was in the <laughs> very early 60s. Yeah. And it's just been going on for a very long time. And when you're talking about SNL and their whole culture of cynicism and mockery and, and wokeism, 
Um, this doesn't surprise me. I'm sure it's quite cringeworthy. Just for the sake of clarity, when this gentleman was on SNL, his name was Harper Steele. His uh, given name is Andrew Steele. That's his that's his birth name. Um, okay. Just for the sake All of right. clarity. But I'm sure this is very cringeworthy. Um, uh, the the uh, Guardian talks uh, says here. This is just an opening paragraph from the Guardian article. The crowd-pleasing gloss of the slickly made documentary Will and Harper, premiering to the kind of intense enthusiasm most market titles here would dream of, and then in parentheses, multiple standing ovations, laughter, tears, and applause all during, is both blessing and curse. The film which follows Will Ferrell as he goes on a road trip with an old SNL friend who has recently transitioned is told on a grand scale, looking like a narrative studio movie and punctuated with celebrity cameos and aims to add dimension to an experience most mainstream audiences know little about. And then it says, it's effective too, working as both buddy comedy and much needed act of public service. Well, thank you, Guardian, for that baloney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. got to be cringeworthy, you know, pandering. and But this, I think we can expect more of this. Uh, from here on out, because people like Will Ferrell, who just love to push buttons and push envelopes, um, yeah. more and more people are going to do this sort of thing. So, wow, yeah. thank you for that uh, commentary on that particular thing. I mean, I, uh, I've never been a Will Ferrell fan, so I can, I can <laughs> definitely say that this doesn't surprise me a whole lot. So we just yeah. have a couple minutes before the break, but I just want to set up this other documentary, because talk about diametrically opposed I watched this yesterday. It's called Lost Boys, The Search for Manhood. How how opposite than what we just uh, listened to. Um, and this is uh, just an incredible documentary. I found it very heartbreaking because I'll tell you, Jim, in my generation, our parents were concerned with how we were going to transition to adulthood. Um, that should be on the front burner of our thinking in when we have teens. But then instead of this, you know, um, it's, it basically yeah. is... Tells the stories of five detransitioned men who explain what led them on the path to transition and the cultural forces contributing to gender dysphoria in males. And, um, again, th- these, um, psychology and all these groups, uh, pro-trans groups say, we will fix you, but they will break you. And I, I really, um, wow, I saw this in their faces, um, and we just, like I said, we have a couple minutes here, Jim. Can you give me your first impressions of the of the film, and then we're going to come back and, and break it down? Yeah. Well, first off, I wept. Mm. I wept when I watched it because I, I saw that confusion and just that understanding mm. that had had the phenomenon that we're seeing now happen when I was thirteen or fourteen. I very well could have could have been one of these casualties. In that um, I, I was disconnected from my masculinity, cut off from the good of who I was created to be, um, didn't want anything to do with masculinity, and oh, I can become a woman, and I can be something that that my opposite of that 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 might have brought me down that road. But the way that these boys, social media, we've talked about this before, social media played a large role in all of these stories because. They tapped into social media, which was telling them what, who they really were, yeah. rather than who they knew they, themselves to be. Wow. wow. And I know that there are several things that come into play. Everyone's story is different. There might be bullying involved, right. you know, uh, like you said, um, issues with parents, 
uh, things that parents introduce to children at a young age. They, uh, we'll talk about, uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria. We'll talk about all these sort of things. Um, gender affirming care, um, things that just are not anything. They're all lies. And, and I, like I said, this broke my heart to watch this and I, I couldn't turn away from it. I saw in yeah. the faces these, these young men who've been through an awful lot. They continue, their lives will never be the same. They continue to struggle with all of these things. So we're going to take a two minute break. Uh, I'm with Jim Farrington, First Stone Ministry, firststone.org. Uh, and we're going to be back in two minutes. Uh, if you're up early in the morning, q90fm.com, uh, our parent radio ministry airs two minute warnings, 5.50 a.m. Central Time. And you can listen to them also at our archives page or on demand or at twominutewarnings.org. That's the number two, minutewarnings.org. And I hope you'll take those in. I really enjoyed doing those. So again, I will be back with Jim Farrington with a whole lot more in two minutes after we hear from our sponsors. Stay with me. Feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are always appreciated. Email us at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth for Thursday, February 22. And we're speaking with Jim Farrington this morning. And that extra R throws me, Jim. I apologize up and down. I right. Crash and I had this conversation just this morning. It's Jim Farrington. Yes, yes. Firststone.org. So I apologize for that. When we... Um, uh, last uh, left uh, the story here. We were talking about a 48-minute documentary that you can watch on YouTube called "Lost Boys: The Search for Manhood." And again, as we Jim and I talked earlier, it, it really is heartbreaking to watch. And what it is is these young men who were told that they, you know, for whatever reason, that they were not men, that they were women. Some of that has to do with just stereotypes, you know. Um, you know, when, when you, you see someone and you go by what they look like and, and you tease them about being a sissy. Sissy was the big word when we were kids. If you didn't, um, you know, portray that, that sports masculine thing, maybe you were into more of an art, artistic vibe or something, you were a sissy. Jim, how do those things affect, uh, the sensitive among us? Some people blow that off and say, oh, yeah, whatever. But other people have, are easily broken. So, uh, what are the, some of the things that enter in here when we're talking about people who are susceptible, including social media, to this kind of a social uh, pressure to to fix something that ain't broken? Jim, talk to us about that. Right. So th- think about this. What was it? Maybe fifty years ago, a hundred years ago, people weren't this this kind of confusion wasn't something that was. Super prevalent. We know right. from Scripture the reason why it's in the Old Testament about women not wearing men's clothing and men not wearing women's clothing is probably because of that issue. Um, so, so you know, we're, we could probably fairly say, according to Scripture, that this is this is not something new. But we do live we do live in a time in our in our world in our society where people depart from the truth to be able to create their own reality. And you've got these kids, these impressionable kids. Mm-hmm. who don't fit in, there are things about themselves that they don't like, they get on social media. So here again, social media becomes this place where they get all this information that tells them, if you if you have trouble um, with how you, how you feel about yourself, then maybe you're trans. I mean, it begins wow. to put them on this path of this will solve my problem. And in this documentary with these boys, this was part part of the issue for them was that social media played a large role in convincing them that they should go down this road. And only I think 
if I remember correctly, only one of the men in this documentary had a parent that absolutely flung wide the gates of acceptance and and made sure that everybody was using the pronouns and everybody was doing what they were supposed to. And it in in it 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 harkens back to um, like with, when TLC came out with I Am Jazz. Yeah. Ugh. You know, that he is a tragedy. And that whole reason why that even happened is because it brought his parents notoriety. Wow. And, and he is suffering. Uh, this, this kid is suffering with all that he has been through. Um, we're doing a disservice. And they, we've known our medical community. I, I don't know why this has never been held up more broadly in the medical community, but, but 80, 85% or more of people that struggle with any kind of gender dysphoria, if they are left, it's left alone and, and not pushed into, into identify, they resolve it. it. There's a resolve that takes place. They go on to live normal lives. It, with a with the, their true identity intact, but you've got the advent of social media, which is curated, by the way, um, to promote only that which makes it everything sound plausible and doable. Yeah. So you get all of these stories. You get a mm-hmm. a ten like a I don't know a, a, maybe a minute or two of a TikTok video of someone telling how how happy they are and how fulfilled that they are, but you don't get the other twenty you know mm-hmm. twenty three and hours and whatever minutes of finding out how, how much hell their life is or the fact that they spend a lot of time looking at themselves wondering if they've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And everyone that I know of that has been trans and, and come out of it at some point woke up to realize this didn't make me what, what, what I it promised it was going to make me. Mm-hmm. And I've made a mistake. Laura Perry went through a worse Smaltz, went through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda Seiler, Walt Heyer. Oh, my gosh, Walt Heyer. Uh, this man lived as a woman for 20-something years, I guess, and and it wasn't until he went and got uh, some psychological help that all this stuff was uncovered. A grandmother, when he was four years old, was making dresses and putting them on him mm-hmm. and causing confusion, and it, and, it, and it put this disconnect in his head. Not only that, but his father discovered this, and and apparently there was a beating over that. And then there was an uncle who was a pedophile that got wind of this and molested him because of it. You know, all of these things that that are are going on in the background play a large role in these in these men that that don't need to be surgically altered. They need they need mental health. Yeah. Yes. You know, and yes. at least and in one of them, one of them actually managed not to go down the road of surgery. Mm. Wow. Yeah. He escaped, Ugh. but the other ones, and and what you hear from them is their lives will never be the same. Mm-hmm. They'll never be able to sire children. You know, they probably will end up having to adopt. But but it's like what how God made them. You know, I was just having this conversation last night that God, you know, that God created us male and female, and men carry sperm and women carry eggs, mm-hmm. and it's meant for the sperm to fertilize the egg. God had a specific plan in mind for men and women and we can't interchange all of that i mean the right. the stuff that's out there right now is, is beyond ridiculous the the idea of surgically implanting a womb inside of a man you know that this is this is stuff that's out there now mm-hmm. i mean it just it gets, gets more and more ridiculous it does but, it does right 
It does. And, there are only two just, genders. I mean, if, if men and women are not right. interchangeable, number one, and if there if there's more than two genders, then there's there's really no such thing as lesbian, gay, or bisexual, or no hormones because the ones they receive are from that other gender. There are only two. Right. No one sperm, egg, and what else? Well, there is nothing else to transition right. to, and everybody knows that. And again, like you said, Jamet is absolutely. It's absurd. Uh, what they're right. inventing here is is just patently absurd. Yeah. Wow. And there was another – so there were two documentaries. One was The Lost Boys Searching for Manhood. That came out in January. The other film that I learned about um, was The Detransition Diaries, Saving Our Sisters. And and it's just as – it's just as heartbreaking. All of these girls that were – they were ill at odds with their bodies. This is not – this is not something new under the sun. Mm-hmm. How many of us, when we were teenagers, were like didn't like something about ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I don't like my 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 face has acne all the time. I don't like my face. I don't like my hair. I don't mm-hmm. like my hips. I don't like my legs. <laughs> Whatever. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you know, we we grow up and we we begin to. There's something that we we don't like about ourselves. If we can do something, you know, like maybe go to the gym and lose a few extra pounds, yeah. or maybe eat better, you know, yeah. so that your skin clears up. There's stuff that we that is common sense out there for us to do to change these things, mm-hmm. but to 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 insist that we can push these people into to surgically altering their bodies, and there is nobody. You, don't you? Isn't it ironic that the people people out there in the social media world are are there to push and encourage and insist that they have to make all these choices, but they will never be there to take responsibility right. for the consequences of the right. choices that they encourage these people to do. Right, and and you know this discontentment that we all go through has been just amplified. Uh, with television, you know, girls who grew up on Friends or whatever they watched on TV, it's amplified. It's a symptom of something that says you don't measure up. There are people out there who are all nearly perfect looking, and why aren't you? And girls bully one another. I mean, boys bully one another, but girls, ooh, girls can be the worst because there's two tiers of girls too. You got your cheerleaders, you got your you know your smart girls, and you and and so there's this class warfare that plays out at the most formative years of our lives. When we are the most yeah. sensitive to teasing and bullying, and um, I was teased, I was bullied. I mean, it was, uh, and yeah, it takes too. it takes strong uh, family, strong. And I had an element of faith in those days. I was not saved, but I was still a church going young woman, and and I think that that kind of helped me through. I think God's grace helped me through before I got saved. But my heart goes out to these young women. You you know, Twiggy, you can't ever be thin enough. You can't ever be pretty enough. I mean that. That has destroyed a lot of lives, and and adults need to adult and understand that your kids are going through it on some level. Every adolescent goes through it on some level. So, as parents, I want to talk to the parents. You know, help help your kids to understand that the teen years are short. Adulthood is really really long. We're, we're kids for a short season. We're adults for the majority of our lives, and and yeah. help them make and good it, choices. Yep. I do want to make a quick plug. There's a ministry called Harvest USA. Okay. They put out a new book called Across the Table, How to Talk with Your Teen About Trans. Mm. And it is a phenomenal book. It actually has great talking points. And we as a church and as a as a, a biblically believing community, we need to be able to equip our parents, especially these parents with kids that are just coming up into the world, yeah. um, learning how to have the the language to be able to speak, because we are responsible for teaching our children yeah. biblical principles. Yes, God put that on 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 them. Yeah. 
Yes, absolutely. Great, great insights. Again, that that uh, particular one is Lost Boys: The Search for Manhood. And what's again, Jim? What's the name of the one uh, about the girls? The the Detransition Diaries: okay. Saving Our Sisters. Okay, it's also on YouTube. All right, and I, I intend to watch that one because the first one was very powerful. I don't think I'll ever forget it. I did see a spark of hope in these young men's lives. I'm I'm grateful they are where they are right now. Uh, there was a little bit of hope I could see in their faces. I'm I'm. I'm glad that yeah. they, they came to understand what happened and they can move on from, from the terrible mistake that they made. Uh, yeah. So I encourage yeah. people to. Amen. All right. So, uh, Jim, uh, National Geographic is in the dumpster. Um, uh, uh, there's an article out there by Mark Taps and Nat Geo goes full Bud Light. National Geographic, a formerly grand American institution dating back to 1888, which was captured years ago by woke ideology in 2017 because it published a story celebrating the gender revolution with a nine-year-old traveler. They have announced their right. nine travelers of the year for 2024. Now, is anyone surprised that the lineup includes <laughs> a demonically costumed drag queen named Patty Gonia, a self-described yeah. intersectional environmentalist drag queen and advocate for inclusive inclusivity in the outdoors. Okay. All right. Help me out with this. This, this becomes so absurd. It says here, the article says from Front Page Magazine, the notion that drag queens are underrepresented anywhere in America today is demonstrably absurd. Talk to us about this uh Ridiculous! I, rem- I remember when uh, on "It's a Wonderful Life" when George Bailey was so happy to be part of the National Geographic Society as a as a, a teenage boy, and here we are with a drag queen on yeah. the cover. What, wah, Jim? What's going on here? Yeah. Well, it, again, it's it's the influence of of the world, like National Geographic. You know, they believe in evolution. They promote evolution. Um, I remember as a kid, I loved reading the Geographic. Uh, um, National Geographic, yeah, uh-huh. because of the fact that it had all these, it brought you into, you know, the Congo. You're, you're in this living room in Virginia, and you're looking <laughs> at pictures of the Congo, you know, a place that you probably will never go to personally, and reading about the fascinating wildlife and and the ecosystem, you know, those things are fascinating, but they, they have gone full tilt. Um, they, so what I what I have seen is that they, uh, this, this person who goes by the drag name Patty Gonia, who is, uh, you know, and I don't know, I don't know why they say this, a real life homosexual. I'm like, uh, he kind of makes that really clear, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you know, never seen before a real life homosexual. Um, mm-hmm. they, uh, in a video that they did for the, this guy did for the North Face. So the North Face brand promotes pride, gay pride. And I watched the commercial for this Summer of Pride campaign for last year, and it was it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. You have to you have to know what you're looking at. This guy this guy um, he uh, started a nonprofit um, uh, called the Outdoor Oath. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, it promotes planet inclusion and adventure. He also um, um, decries white supremacy Mm -hmm. so it's it's really funny a white man is is decrying a white man in in a dress with makeup is decrying white supremacy while while priding himself on being able to educate people is it's it's just it's it's off the charts yeah um and it's disappointing to me because um 
National Geographic has has just lost a lot of credence. You, the, the being able to see um, aspects of the world around us um, for me. I already know what drag queen stuff is. Most everybody does right. because we were you were you talked about Burl, um, Mil- uh, Milton, Milton Burrow and Flip Wilson. Remember yeah. Flip oh, Wilson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know uh, Geraldine. Geraldine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, it's not you know, or some like it hot with Tony Curtis and um, Jack Lemmon. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. You know, this is this has been something that has been been grooming us all this time. It's been grooming our society this whole time. And it's really sad to me because this this guy is 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 whacked out. Yeah. I mean that he believes he believes in climate activism. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's just really sad. It uh, is. To see it that. is. And and he 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 has workshops uh, at with this uh, group, the Outdoorist Oath, and it says uh, an announcement for one such workshop reads. Confronting our white supremacy will never be easy, but it is a necessary step in creating a more inclusive and equitable outdoors. So now even the outdoors is subject to being inclusive and equitable. You can't just go outside anymore and enjoy anything. You have to think about your race and, and what, what a hateful human being you are. Uh, it is absolutely absurd. I, I, we need to call it national all too graphic now, I think, from now on. Um, <laughs> no, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a circus. Yeah. It's a circus, and I don't know um, who overtook Nat Geo. Same with Bud Light. Um, and I got no dog in either of these races, but uh, the woke ideology, I know the average person has to see this for what it is. It's absolutely ridiculous. I, is, is, there, is, there, is there some hope there that the average human being in the flyover states actually sees this for what it is? Well, when we stop letting drag queens be the representation <laughs> of what we want for our humanity, yeah, true. I mean, really, wow. the, the the idea that a drag queen is the one that's going to enlighten everyone on on conservatism in our climate, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it just it sounds so disingenuous, <laughs> you know. From the beginning, it's it's no less perverse than drag queen story hour. Yeah. Yeah, and summer coming up, we'll have the parades, and we'll I, have the events. We're gonna have we're, I, it's gonna be in your face all summer yeah, long. Yeah. I did drag. I did drag. And let me tell you, you know, like what 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 needs to be highlighted is that the the characteristic of a drag queen is an adult male that dresses like a woman who lip syncs to songs in an adult nightclub um and it involves nasty, raunchy humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, for tips and for entertainment. Mm-hmm. And if we can look at it from the right perspective, it does help people ask the question, why would we want someone representing that? Yeah. Why would we want someone like that? Mm-hmm. Wow. You know? Wow, what a weird world we woke up in today. Uh, well, and we have been for a while, but it still amazes me at my age that we've yeah. gone, we've circling the drain so uh, so quickly here. Um, I want to circle back a little bit to the social media aspect of it because all that we've talked about, social media has played a massive role. And the Florida House has passed a bill banning children under 16 from social media. They will kick them off and they will not be able to be in social media that is influence of the influencing type to confuse and, and make these children depressed and, and see things that they are not even remotely emotionally mature enough to see or think about or talk about. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, I, I wish it was more than Florida, but um, they these kids will get kicked off, uh, and the parents will not they will not be allowed to sign up for 
for for some of these like TikTok, social media. What are your thoughts on this? Well, my 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 one my one my one thought is that parents aren't doing their job. Yeah. yeah. Parents have the responsibility for what they allow into the home. Yeah. And and I you know there there should be there should should be some type of education in the church that we don't put electronic devices in the hands of our children to keep them distracted so that we can have a life. Yeah. Oof. I'm sorry but that that is that is what that is what technology has done for us as a society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, I have a, a granddaughter that turns 18 this year, and when she was um, when she was young, even a toddler, one of the ways uh, that my my daughter and my ex and and the the part the woman that she that she lives with, how they dealt uh, with. Um, with watching my granddaughter was to put her in front of a television. Mm -hmm. That was her babysitter. And when you've got parents that put technology in the hands of children, you, you have really opened them up to a world where they're going to be exposed to things that you don't even know about that. Most of the time, most of the time when I, when I interact with parents who have contacted the ministry that are dealing with waywardness and their own children um, what I what I find is most common is that the children have a secret life, a secret social life off of social media, sure. and that the 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 law that they passed in Florida, um, it, it won't be that effective because they'll find another way around it. Wow. They'll find another way around it. Mm. Um, parent parents should have have the ability to rightfully discern that. Our, our children don't need, they don't need to be bogged down with social media and electronics. They need to learn how to be children. Yeah, yeah. They need to be able to play outside like I did. Right, right. You know? and Yeah, and get an um, education and feed your intellect and, and all those things that, that normal right. young people need to do so that so that they will be functioning adults that, that won't be foisted on the rest of society to somehow try and fix. You also, also yeah. hear you, you mentioned, Jim, uh, Social Media Victims Law Center. What is that? Because it looks like um, someone at least is trying to empower parents to protect the kids from this menace of social media. I think that, it's, it, that it, we can pass all the laws that we want to, but the, the people that make the most difference are the mom and dads. Yeah. Uh, we are given – so I think it's ironic that in Scripture, even in the Old Testament, the parents were basically the elders of the city that sat, sat in, at the city gates watching what comes through. Mm-hmm. And parents, mm. especially with technology, parents knowing, 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 knowing yeah. that there is – that although we have access to things that might be good, that that by putting unfettered technology in the hands of our children, we run we run their. If we have an enemy out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy us, you know, I mean, he doesn't have to work that hard at it because we make it we mm-hmm. make it easy for him. You know, I, mm-hmm. I I cringe when I when I you know like I heard someone I had a conversation with just within the last three or four days about the iPad for their child. And I'm going, I don't know, why does your child have an iPad? You know, yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's other ways that we can entertain our children. How about we turn all the electronics off and we just spend time with our children? Yeah. How about how about we do stuff socially with our children? Yeah. 
how about we let our children come together and do something socially without electronics? Mm. What a novel approach, Jim. <laughs> well, you yeah. think, right? You think, yep, yep. But that's one of the, the one of the problems is that that there are social media out there is curated specifically, and and it and it, and I'm when I say curated, I'm talking about you have people out there that are nefariously masterminding. Yeah ways for children to get a hold of of content that is defiling. Yeah. And and most of the men that I have ministered to that their first exposure to pornography was the thing was the catalyst that sent them um over the edge into brokenness. Mhm. Mhm. Well, you know, and I would I would love to see the CEOs of these uh hugely profitable um, social media companies who are who have taken no social responsibility whatsoever. They're going to have to answer to a holy God someday, but I'd love to see them testify under oath about yeah. the harm that, that these products, their products are causing children and young adults. And uh, yeah. somebody needs to clean house. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen in our lifetimes. We are living in some very perilous, perilous times. Um, yeah. We only have a minute left. This went so fast, Jim. Uh, any any final thought on on hope, and encouraging those parents to protect the the gates? Well, the parents need to be educated on on what they shouldn't shouldn't allow into their homes. Yeah. There there should be more. I believe that there should be more emphasis in the church in teaching the the parents. How how does God want you to teach your children? If we're supposed to train up a child in the way that they should go, are we asking the right questions about how we should be training yeah, them? Yeah. Because we're given the same mandate in on the flip side of that that scripture in Proverbs that we should train up a child in the way they should not go. Yes. But if you're yes. exposing them to, to to social media and technology, you you you've effectively rendered yourself neutered. Mm. Um because Barna says that children develop a solid worldview between about 12 or 13 years. Yeah. So you only have from 18 months old to wow. maybe 11 years old to actually instill in them biblical principles yeah. that they will live by. Yeah, Jim, we got to go. Jim Farrington, FirstStone.org. Thank you so much for your insights, your experiences. And uh, I, I really do believe that someone out there needed to hear what you had to say today. So thank you for being with me. And we'll talk again sometime this summer. All right. All right. God bless. Um, Want to talk real, real quickly. There's a video out there in response to the He Gets Us, and it's called Jesus Saves. He Saves Us. It's on YouTube. I really encourage you to look at that. It's really, really well done. That's it for today. Tomorrow, Chris Lawson, author, apologist of the Spiritual Research Network. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Have a wonderful day in Jesus. God bless. God bless.